Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast, the official podcast of Pineland, broadcasting to you from an undisclosed location deep inside Pineland, where we discuss faith, family, finances, firearms, freedom, food, and everything else in between with those who believe in living free and living out the values that made this country free. Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast. My name is Paula Favor. I'm here with my Ranger buddy, Mike Blackburn. Today is Friday, Cinco de Mayo. Mm. And uh, we're back again with another, uh, I guess, back with that same topic we just hit last time. That's really battlefield ethics, kind of revisiting that and the importance of that. And I hope you got a lot out of, uh, I know I did the last time talking to, to uh, Kevin Maines. Uh, certainly a lot of uh, weight on leadership which uh, rightfully so. Yep. Uh, if you're in that position of uh, lead leader leadership, then uh, you need to step up to the plate and make things happen. Uh, so, kind of uh, segueing from that, uh, today we're bringing in a uh, another subject matter expert, uh, Chaplain John Phelps. Uh, he's going to give us his take. Uh, chaplain Phelps is a Navy chaplain. He's been on the podcast again uh, before. Last time we were talking about uh, counseling. So, John, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Paul. It's good to be here today. I appreciate you guys letting me uh, have a little space. Absolutely. I mean, and this way we get, uh, let's see, we almost had, we had the Marines. It was, you know, John, John, uh, excuse me, Kevin was representing the Marines. And then here, John, here's the Navy. Get the Army. We just got to get the Air Force. Where are they at? Oh, we gotta it's find like, somebody. Gotta got find, <laughs> got find an airman. Gotta find an airman out there. Air-conditioned, uh, uh, air-conditioned building somewhere in the <laughs> Exactly. They're, they're busy playing golf. Absolutely. Hey, but uh, John, uh, I'm excited about the topic today. And really, uh, one thing I wanted to get into is, uh, I mean, in in light of uh, something like 9% of America's military serving age is considered uh, capable of serving, only 9%. And, uh, you know, the rest Mm. are not physically fit, they're not mentally fit, they're not socially ready uh, that other, you know, 80, uh, 91%, don't do math in public, they're, they're not capable of actually serving. They don't, and, they don't meet minimum re, uh, yeah, requirements. Yeah, the minimum requirements. And so that's just astronomical to me. I know you know that. And and, and I just wanted to ask you, as a chaplain, as, uh, as a man who's uh, faced a lot of uh, tragedy, uh, a lot of uh, moral injury uh, that you've seen in the ranks, I just want to ask you, uh, are we, are we having our people prepared to serve in light of uh, how they're being raised and they're coming to you, they're coming to the ranks? Are they, can we really say they're ready to do the job? Um, uh, honestly, Paul, that's, that's a hard question because in my experience, I would say, no, I don't think, I don't think society is preparing them. Um, I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but you know, it feels to me, you know, we've talked before, kind of like an erosion of the of the warrior class. And I think some of it is societal. Um, I think some of it is um, just the um, what's going on in our world and and in, in technology, the, the good, bad and the ugly of, of what, uh, you know, the social uh, networking society has done. Um, and and I uh, I'll throw you a curveball here. I think a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, 
not having a, a unified sense of purpose. You know, mm. it seems like there's a lot of division in our in our country right now, and, no and a loss of patri- patriotism, really. No doubt, no doubt, and that that certainly has an effect. I mean, obviously, uh, I mean, it goes without saying that the recruitment is down terribly for all services. And obviously with, uh, in light of the last two or three, four years of events, I think you have a lot less people, a lot, um, instrumentally, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a lot less people that are joining and they're just seeing the wokeness. They're seeing the stuff they have to, the hoops they have to jump through and you know, whatever it is, the jab or, or the ideology that they have to bow the knee to. And, and they just look at all this and they say, I don't think so. Uh, and that's, and you yeah. definitely are, are, uh, you know, have a, that's a live nerve. Well, Kevin, uh, Kevin, yeah. Kevin had brought up, um, you know, narcissism, nihilism, um, a, a lot of a, a culture that doesn't, uh, emphasize. Yeah, what are you going to give me? Yeah. What do it, I it get? Doesn't, it doesn't yeah. emphasize the service, um, yeah. aspect. It's, it's more like exactly what, what, what is this going to do for me? Mm. You know, what are you, what are you doing for me lately? And I think. Yeah. Um, with that focus, I think obviously, you know, the armed forces is probably not going to look that appealing. Yeah, yeah I, I think, I think this stuff is definitely in the water. Um, one thing, you know, I, I was talking to, um, uh, a major one time and he was talking to me about some of the problems that we're dealing with nowadays. Um, and he said, you know, back, uh, you know, back during, uh, you know, the Iraq war and, uh, OEF and OIF, you just didn't see these kind of shenanigans going mm-hmm. on, this kind of you know, uh, erosion in, uh, in the, in the, you know, morality really. And, uh, and leadership and, and something I think, Paul, you're more of a historian than I am, but if you look at throughout history, I mean, we've always had the voice that said, Hey, you know, uh, we shouldn't be doing this, you know, war is bad, war is wrong. And, and everybody's always had their, you know, the reasons, and I'm not trying to, to pick on anybody, but if you look at, what happened back in most recent history for all of us, you know, in 9-11 and how our country just kind of came together. And God forbid, I hope that never happens again, but it, it goes back to that thing I I mentioned earlier is that we don't have this sense of unifying purpose. Mm. And uh, I think a lot of people don't see the real threat that is out there. Um, The voice that is heard so often is the one that says America is a terrible place and it's like, really, have you ever traveled? You know, have you ever gone to a country? I mean, I've entered countries. I was afraid to take a Bible because I was afraid I might be arrested for it. Mm. And, and you know, there's plenty of places like that where, you know, yes, I'm not saying we're perfect. We have our issues. But I, I think it goes back to the, the undertones of society. And people don't really see a need right now, a reason. They don't perceive the threat that we all know, you know, as um, as service members and, you know, and, and vets that, we know the threat is real and it's always there, even if the public is, is not tracking on it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in this vein that we're talking about too, something that, uh, uh, Kevin, uh, was talking about is, you know, there's all this uncertainty. So you have these, uh, people that show up that are a little, uh, you know, narcissistic, you know, what about me? Not a lot of selfless service, you know, in their tool bag. And then, then they have this, uh, you know, there's no, there's nothing that uh, it's like, Hey, what do we believe? What are our values? It's hard to, to nail it down. And so then they show up and then they've got a, you know, a deployment uh, tempo and the stress 
and then you've got uh, then they have nothing really to to uh, as a foundation, and and and, uh, and I, 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 I would you agree? I, I do, um, and and I don't. I mean, so I'm a little more uh, optimistic. I don't know if it's so much nihilism. I think that stuff again is is in the water. But what I think is um, some of it's, um, you know, con- cultural conditioning, mm. you know, the whole concept of, hey, we don't want to we don't want to disappoint anybody. Everybody gets a trophy. A lot of these kids, you know, they haven't been prepared to deal with stress. Mm. They don't know how to. Um, they don't hold a lot of them to a unifying truth because, you know, the, the big message now is, hey, there's no there's no one truth. Everybody's <sighs> truth is truth. And, and so that, you know, there's nothing to hang on to in the storm. And yeah. this also sense that, and, and this is not for me, it's from another chaplain friend of mine who, who did a lot with resiliency retreats. You know, he said, you know, some of the problem is people don't know how to deal with their stress. They don't know healthy outlets for it. And the second one is like, they don't realize that some stress is good stress. You know, um, there's a there's a great book. I'm not going to like advertise for anybody, but I read I read a good book on, you know, talking about how adversity, you know, can make us stronger. And we need that. And, you know, even if you listen to like uh, good old Viktor Frankl, he talks about, you know, that absence of of challenge or adversity or purpose, you know, throws us in this existential vacuum. Mm -hmm. And I think you see a lot of that these days because, you, you know, there's there's no real sense of purpose. Uh, and, and so these kids, they come in, they don't know how to cope with their stress. You know, and a lot of them, you know, are looking for something better because, you know, maybe the home life wasn't great or things were falling apart or, and, and they come in and, and then they face a lot of adversity, some unnecessary as Kevin, I'm sure mentioned, you know, uh, and some necessary and they just, they, they don't know how to deal with it and they need, they need guidance. They need, you know, mentorship. Um, it, it, some of it goes back to a lack of, of solid uh, mentorship growing mm. up, good, good role models that teach them, you know, how to, how to face life. I mean, awesome. I mean, cause uh, really what you're, you're, uh, and I, we've talked about this before is what you're trying to get them to avoid is moral injury. You want them to avoid, you know, the train wreck. And I know, yeah. Um, and, yeah. You, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, to speak on that, and, and I just want to like put my yeah. definition out there because a lot of, um, so the bottom line to me, moral injury injury is when you basically break your own rules. Okay, we talk about uh, you know uh, spiritual fitness in the military and spirituality, and the easiest definition that that we use in the chaplain corps, you know, at the most basic level, spirituality is what uh, we draw meaning and purpose from in life. Uh, you know, how we define right and wrong, whether that is from, uh, you know, a more standard Judeo-Christian or uh, another religious background, or whether it's our own set of rules, whether we were taught or we came up with them. When we break our own rules, we do something or we experience something that we, you know, inherently know in our, in our soul that is, is wrong, it, it violates, um, you know, either we violated what we know to be good or someone else has, and that is what causes that internal conflict, that moral injury. Wow, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, it's a very helpful definition. Oftentimes we hear these terms kind of thrown around and we don't really, you know, uh, you know, because they say, you know, wisdom uh, is the you know, definition of terms, as Socrates has once said. But that, that idea yeah. is, uh, 
I, I mean, could we just say that we're seeing a, a kind of an explosion of moral injury or we're just seeing more stupid stuff morally because people are just showing up and they don't have the right value system. They don't have the right foundation. I mean, could it, could that, is that yeah. too simplistic to say that? I think that's, I think that's definitely part of it. These, these kids are they're and I don't mean to say kids. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm getting old, I guess. Yeah. So you're an old guy. Young guys <laughs> <coming> <laughs> I'm an old guy. Right? Yeah. These guys, in, these, these young men and women coming in, let's be, let's be fair and honest here. Um, a lot of them, you know, I asked that question, you know, well, tell me, tell me who, who you are. Let's say the guy's name's Joe. All right, Joe, let's just forget rank and everything. Joe, tell me who Joe is. And he goes, that's it chaps. I don't even really know. Mm. So they haven't, they, they haven't really, and I don't, I mean, gosh, if I look back when I was 18, 19, 20, I probably thought I knew who I was, but I really didn't. So you, you have that, you have the inability to deal with stress. Uh, you have people trying to, feel good about themselves and a lot of times making wrong choices right we we're we need that gratification and if we don't know how to do it in a healthy way we're going to do it in an unhealthy way and then then there's that shame piece that comes in like oh wow i i uh, i broke i broke my own rules and now you know and and they devalue themselves struggling with self-worth um so but i don't i don't want to get straight too far from this ethics piece because i think yeah you know when you're talking about moral injuries it's, it's talking about you know, um, doing the right thing for that circumstance. And obviously, when you're talking in, in combat, it's situational, right? We have rules of engagement. We have reasons when it's okay for self-defense or for order or for, for a, a certain purpose to, you know, execute that mission, including, you know, uh, taking lives. And Done under the right circumstances, as as you are definitely the um, the SME here, the uh, subject matter expert, um, then a person can execute the mission uh, with the minimal amount of uh, moral injury, um, harm to, you know, to their own conscience. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I had. Uh, I think. Yeah, I, but I mean that re that requires a hell of a grounding. I mean. Um, yes. Which. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, I mean, isn't isn't that really the challenge, though? Yeah. I mean, uh, you get you get uh, these young men and women. Uh, they come they come on board. Uh, they go through their uh, initial training, and you're establishing some sort of baseline. Uh, but even with that, um, when they get out to their units, they're still they're all at different levels. Um, I mean, how does that training continue? How, how does that assessment happen? How does that training continue? How do we continue to uh, give these people the foundation and the uh, the moral clarity uh, to be able to make yeah. these these decisions um, when they're put in these situations? Um, well, my opinion, uh, which is, you know, worth whatever you're willing to pay for it, um, is that it's got to be, a, it's got to be a group effort. And it goes back to what Kevin said with leadership. I mean, I am literally a garden hose on a forest fire. I'm, I'm one chaplain, you know, with anywhere from seven to 900 guys I'm taking care of at a time. Uh, you know, I can take, I can try to put out those fires if they're willing to come talk to me, you know, or I can do my briefs where I, I try to talk to a group and, and hope they're, they're not falling asleep. You know, it, it's a thing where this, you need the help of leadership. You need to teach leadership how to be mentors, how 
you know, and, and obviously, you know, as a chaplain, I can't, um, I can't go tell everybody my way is the right way, you know, as far as my own faith. Um, but we're trying to find a way to, to teach these skills and, and to pass it along. And, and I think if you can instill it in your leaders all the way down to your, your squad level, right. You know, where he's, he's maybe dealing with a few guys then he can impact change. But if you can't impact leadership and, and then they're doing it wrong, then it's just, it's just compounding the problem. Yeah. And, and we need leaders who are, are going to teach their guys. And, and I, I like, wow, I got to be careful here. I, I'm going to be all political and everything, but um, I'm a father. And so I can speak from my perspective as a father and leadership done right is like being a parent doing it right. And I, I'm, I'm getting a little off topic here, but I promise it'll come back. You can, you can do leadership wrong where you are the uh, abusive parent who either uses words or violence to, to control his children or her children. Um, or you can be the parent that just really wants to be buddies with their kids and drops all the walls and does their kids a disservice or you can be that parent that holds intention mentoring healthy relationship while maintaining that that difference in authority and and you know that's that's the biggest problem i see is is that there's barriers to to healthy leadership and uh, and that's kind of like one of the things i'm working on right now is teaching people look there's two aspects to being a leader. You got to get your head right. You got to know how how to teach and the the stuff that we're talking about ethics here, right? And uh, moral compass and protecting, you know, having a healthy sense of of spirituality. And there's the the heart piece, right? Where you you got to be a healthy individual. You can't bring your junk into the mix, or you're going to be causing problems and not helping. Yeah, I'm glad you said that heart and head. And uh, yeah, that's certainly, uh, I think if our leaders would do, I mean, I think we're putting it here, here's, right here's, where it needs to be. Here's what, here's what a challenge that I see today. Um, there used to be a time long, long time ago when um, our officer corps was really landed gentry. I mean, they were, they were uh, our aristocracy, if you will. Um, they were brought up a certain way, and one of the things that was very important uh, to that sort of class, if you will, was their outward appearance, their demeanor, how they carried themselves. It was something that was always on their mind um, because leadership was more than just um, like what you were talking about, being buddy-buddy or being you know a tyrant and beating the crap out of it. It was more... The being the example, you you can you can lead just by having uh, being something that others just look at. How do you how do you handle every situation? How do you respond to every situation? I think the challenge today, um, a huge challenge today is okay. We we have we have um, you know people coming in. They're volunteering. They're, you know, going through reserve officer training corps. They're going to one of the service academies, whatever. Um, they're really asked to do one hell of a transformation once they get commissioned to put a uniform on 
uh, because their backgrounds may be very similar to the, the very enlisted people that they're getting ready to lead. Uh, but they're having to assume an entirely different role and also deal with all of the things that you are talking about in society. I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at it almost looks like a bridge too far. Well, if I can uh, speak to that, I, I, I definitely agree with the bridge piece. And, and what I see uh, in my own experience day, to, day in and day out, I see a lot of good, uh, good leaders, uh, but there's a disconnect. And, and uh, you know, the Marine Corps is known for how far down it pushes leadership, which is a blessing and a curse because you're really teaching young men and women um, the responsibilities of leadership or you're, you're giving them the responsibilities of leadership. You're trying to instill it in them. At the same time, you know, wisdom... <laughs> usually comes out of our own mistakes, right? At least for me, I, I never really learned from listening to others. I had to, I had to run into the wall a few times before I figured out it wasn't the door. And, um, and so unfortunately, you know, a lot of times age is not on our side. And again, um, I don't think these young men and women are prepared for the, the, the burden and the responsibility of leadership. Um, uh, I don't want to, I'm not going to say any specific cases where I'm at or anything, but honestly, I, I've been in, you know, a little tongue in cheek said, um, sometimes I'm, I'm reminded of the, the novel, The Lord of the Flies, because you have sometimes what feels like children leading children. And it's kind of scary. You know, I, I, I love my children, but there's no way on earth that I would trust my, uh, my nine-year-old to, uh, you know, to watch my five or six year old because, you know, gosh, I might come home and they, they might both be dead or, you know, missing. Um, at the same time, we're entrusting a lot of responsibility to young men and women that maybe, like I said, don't know how to do leadership. They didn't have a good example from where they came from uh, or they just never learned how to work through their stuff yet. And that, that gets in the way. You, you, um, you made me you I, made I, me think of something, and I, I don't I don't mean to interrupt you, but and you're old enough to remember um, back when you know we had a, a really strong NCO core, at least we did in the army, and uh, I remember uh, you know the NCO clubs, and you know it was a big deal for a young E five, you know a twenty year old E five or whatever. Uh, to be able to go to the NCO club and just hang out with the older, more experienced leaders. And there was a wealth of knowledge and a wealth of um, just useful information that you gather just by being able to have those opportunities to sort of hang out with your, your senior leaders. And I, I think, I think at least in the army, I don't, you know, you, you can talk about the, the Marine Corps or, or in the Navy, but, at least in the army, I mean that the you know the NCO corps is totally different now. Um, you know we don't have the uh, you know one beer lunch or whatever, and you know hanging out with the NCOs at the NCO club and 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 some of that um, those social events where we really were able to pass along that information that you're talking about that experience and have and, and have that camaraderie. Is it time to bring that back? I'm so glad you said that word because that that's what was coming to my mind. And, um, you know, 
I, I try not to like get on a soapbox and go back and start. It's, it's really easy to point my finger at, you know, generational decline or society. But what I do see, uh, and, and it's, you know, it's just, um, just a fact of the times, you know, a lot of guys don't really get together and, you know, hang out and play and shoot hoops and, and go to the, you know, um, to like the NCO club. You see a lot of guys spending time in the rooms, playing video games, um, the camaraderie. And, and so well, you guys can probably speak to this better than me because I've never been enlisted. And honestly, I, I've not been around the enlisted long enough to know what it was like when I was that age. But one of the biggest complaints I have is, is there's this dysfunction where, you know, guys aren't getting along and, and there's that loss of, you know, I, I think I can speak to a general thing that beyond every other reason, beyond patriotism, beyond, um, you know, the benefits of joining the military, like, hey, I'm going to get a free ride to college or whatever, whatever the, the recruiter enticed them with there. Most everybody comes here with the need to feel like they belong and to have that sense of, and I like to call it family. And, and I don't know if it was better in the past or if it's just, you know, the same problem with a new label because every generation, you know, points their finger at the last one and, and the, and the, and, and the next generation and, and points the blame. I mean, it's, it's true. You look at our generation, how we talked about our parents or how they talked about us and how we were all reprobates and stuff. But um, the reality is I see like this sense of this need for family not being fulfilled. And, and I think if, if, if I could just sum up the whole problem, these guys need to be part of a family. They need to feel, um, to quote a book I'm reading right now, they need to feel important. Yeah, and I mean, I think every, everybody, wants, everybody wants family. I mean, isn't that you know, the reason why we have gang problems in a lot of the inner cities is because they, they're looking for that family um, and they find it in the gangs. Um, the armed forces is no different. Um, I, you know, I, and you are, you are right. I mean, every generation has its issues. Um, I just, the farther that I, the farther it, it gets away from, um, the Vietnam vets, the time when I was, and I recall, uh, from those leaders that, that served in Vietnam when I first went in the military, you know, the smarter those guys looked to me. Um, I mean, they, they just look like geniuses now. I mean, I, 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 I feel sorry for anybody uh, serving today that didn't have an opportunity to serve under those guys. Uh, they were exceptional in a lot of ways that I didn't really recognize when I was, when I was a young, young trooper. And um, so I don't know what the answer is, but there's also... Uh, there is generational decline. I mean, I, I, I think every, I think the Vietnam vets would be the first one to tell you that they're probably not as tough as, uh, you know, the World War II vets. Um, and, I, and I think it can go back and back and you know, farther and farther. And, you know, we just, um, we, we do, technology has a tendency to weak society over time. I think that's, you know, pretty well established. Um, but doesn't, that doesn't mean that there's not warriors in every class and every time. And we just want to make the warriors, we want to figure out, you know, what do we have to do to give our warriors what they need today uh, so they can, you know, carry the mantle. Um, but I think there are some things that, that we can learn from the past and things that they were doing 
uh, in past generations, past warriors that would uh, help today's warriors? Yeah, hey, I, I, yeah. I completely agree. And I think um, I, one thing I thought of when you were talking about those Vietnam vets is, you know, I believe that experience is probably the best teacher. And those guys had a hard reality to face, whether they wanted to be there or not. And, and, and the realities of war and, and how horrible it can be. Um, it goes back to what I was talking with that major about, you know, he said, you know, the shenanigans talking about things that still go on, the, you know, guys mistreating each other and, uh, you know, all that, all that stuff. He said, you didn't see it because guys were going out on mission and their buddies were getting killed and they came back. And when they told somebody something, it wasn't because they, they needed to feel good about themselves. It's because they knew how important it was for the guy to learn it so he didn't get killed or get his, his um, you know, his fellow Marines or sailors or soldiers killed the next day. So they took life a lot more serious because they'd seen how horrible a war could be. And I, I think you're absolutely right. We need to – I think there's been, you know, and it's been for a while – where we say, hey, uh, new is better, old is passe. And, you know, used to we respected the wisdom of the elders because we knew they had done life and they probably knew a little more than we did at least. And and I think if anything that is lost in this new world is is a departure of, you know, hanging on to that wisdom from the past and from those who have lived it and, and treasuring the wisdom of those. Right on. Well said. Hey, now, John, uh, now as a chaplain, I know that one thing that uh, you try to uh, bring uh, to the force is uh, the spiritual fitness. Now, we, we had talked about that. Uh, uh, you mentioned resilience. And I wonder if you could just kind of tease that out, like just talk on spiritual fitness and resilience and, and, and how do you approach this situation uh, and, uh, with, uh, with those truths? Right. Yeah, and and honestly, being in a world where um, there there's so many varying views, that's why, you know, we kind of try to define it as that that basic sense of, of purpose and meaning. Um, it's tough, you know. It's really a hard problem to get at. I can give you a list of things that say, hey, if you're feeling this way, you know, maybe you're not taking care of yourself. I think if I was to just off the top of my head, I think one piece of spiritual fitness that is important is community. Um, and that is, you know, we found through research that people that participate in a community of faith uh, on a regular basis have an incredibly lower risk of destructive behaviors, including suicide. Um, and, and to me, it points back to the basic human need of connection. You know, we uh, we were we were created to be in relationship. That is that is a foundational piece, and I know those are going those are those are say well we weren't created well, well then however you want to get to it. Well, they can listen to another like, podcast. No, here's the point: <laughs> scientists, psychologists, they will all agree whether they believe in a higher power or not. They will all agree humans are relational creatures. We yeah. need one another. I mean, I always say, look, how do you torture somebody? You put them in isolation, right? You separate them. You, you, so when we're talking about spiritual fitness, you know, one of those questions I ask, Hey, do you have a faith? Mm. You know, 
are you connected to that community? Because that is very important because that, that gives you, it, it's a safety net. You know, as a chaplain, when I'm doing counseling, it's one of those things I want to check that box to make sure that person is not isolated in the world, that they have some sense of connection to others. And you know what? Sometimes maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the only person in the world that they have a connection to, but at least the two of us become a community for now until we can bridge that gap. So community is very important, whether it's a traditional religion, whether it's shared uh, values and beliefs, it's very important that we are with like-minded individuals to to uh, draw strength from and and support. Let, let me um, let, let me ask a question what, on on the community um, because yeah. I think you know here's the question: a lot of these young folks, it, it seems to me, are uh, getting their community through um, video games. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, I, I just I think that's false community. I don't think that's a real community. And there's got to be a difference there. Um, how do they? How do they? I mean, I think I think you're right. I think they need to connect with other humans. I think they actually need to um, have all those normal sort of human interactions, looking at facial expressions and yeah. and and well, and touch and all the rest. Definitely, Mike, I don't disagree with you uh, that there is a uh, there is a lot lost. If you don't believe me, you know, text somebody a message and see how quickly it can get misunderstood. Yeah. Um, humans, obviously, uh, we need we need that proximity. Right. I, I think that is a piece that that is, to me, the biggest concern about the online community piece. Not that it's not a community. It absolutely is. And and these you know, I've seen it. I've seen it in action. I've seen, you know, guys connected with each other, talking, communicating, still getting that sense of, of belonging, that sense okay. of, of commonality. And I don't want to say, I don't want to say, oh, it's, it's bad. It's not enough. But I think we're definitely missing an aspect of humanity. And who knows? Humans are very resilient, you know, um, maybe in some ways that that that's need to of of you know, physical touch of proximity of, of patting your buddy on the shoulder or, you know, um, you know, and, and, you know, the, the video helps a lot with, with the, the non, you know, verbal communications, you can see facial, you know, expressions and, and body language. So that, that can be conveyed electronically. Um, so I don't want to just discount it altogether, but I think that the danger in being totally digital is we are going to sacrifice some of those um, social skills that you know that we have, and honestly, I, I don't I don't know how everyone else is, but I wouldn't be okay being in total isolation and never getting a hug or a pat on the back for the rest of my life. I would I would be missing out on you know on a, a physical need you know that I have. Um, you can go into uh, Gary Chapman's love languages. You know it's obvious that physical touch. Uh, quality time, quality time can be virtual, yes, uh, but so I don't want I, I don't want to run down this road too long. But yeah. my point is, it, it, no, I think, I think you it, it is community. It it is it is a sense of community, but it's not a one hundred percent alternative. Um, um, I think there's a sacrifice there. Yeah, I, I, think, I think I think you're right. It's better than nothing. And the, if I'm talking to a marine that feels all alone in the world, and he's got some buddies because they they can't you know he can't leave the barracks or whatever, he's got some buddies. 
back in Iowa that he chats with or talks on the phone or Good. that right. I, I'm, I'm happy. Right. He's got a, he's it's got a, optimal, a life connection. Out yeah, there. yeah. Yeah. It's, it's better than nothing. It's, it's, it's a, a step up, but yes. I mean, same thing when you talk about, uh, I was just talking to somebody the other day about, you know, they really miss that, that powerful spiritual experience they got from worship. And uh, you know, their worship now is Facebook live. And I was like, look, I'm not going to discount, you know, being able to, to plug in, there is something different about participating in a community of worship versus watching it on a TV. You know, it, it's not the same and it never will be. Um, it's, it, it's better than nothing, but I think it's not what it can be. Yeah. And that's obviously uh, the, uh, st- you know, statistically you, maybe you could agree that people that have uh, fallen prey uh, to moral injury and have uh, taken the drastic step of taking their own lives horribly, uh, they they didn't perhaps they they lack this this uh, important component of spiritual fitness. You could say that uh, maybe they're isolated uh, and yeah, a hundred percent. Okay, yeah. I think it is. If you could narrow it down, because you know you can be in a community and still feel isolated. Mm-hmm. There's there's something within them that's creating a barrier. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to that human connection, they're not getting what they need. They don't feel, they don't feel loved, supported. They feel, you know, like a burden, a problem. Um, they are, they're disconnected. Hey, if and I could, I think that, well, yeah. If I could introduce this too, cause I want to make sure we get this in here is uh, just the concept of resilience. Cause this is something that you had mentioned. This is an important aspect of this. Before you, right. Before you go to resilience, and I think that's important, we need to cover that, but I, I have a question. Um, people are less religion religious today. Right? There's less people going to church today. Um, to me, that's, a, that's an, a, an extra challenge in the, in the, in the military, I would, I would think, trying to make sure that they're having that spiritual connection that you're talking about. If they've not, if they if they're maybe unfamiliar with a spiritual connection coming in, absolutely. I mean, there's there's a lot of things they're unfamiliar with. You know, when I when I talk about and and as we bridge into resiliency, um, and I, I want to thank Paul for adding a fourth dimension. I've always looked at it as physically, um, emotionally, and spiritually, uh, but socially, definitely. Mm-hmm. Circling back to that community piece. But yeah, uh, uh, that that sense of I mean, most guys and gals don't really understand what spiritual fitness is or spirituality. Um, But, you know, that's totally my lane. You know, like I said before, every human being needs to feel important. We need to feel like we matter. It goes down to the basic need for love. I know it's not always the, the most popular word because it's so misunderstood, but but that primal connection that uh, that a baby has with its parents, that sense of I am loved, I am supported, I'm I'm safe, um, and that the problem is I think there's a disconnect between that and how people feel about themselves. And let me unpack that just real quick, briefly. Um, worth and the need to be loved are connected because I think as human beings, most of us, if not all of us, 
kind of grew up with this misconception that we must prove ourselves worthy to be worthy of love. And I think it can be uh, as simple as looking at a parent for approval and not receiving that approval and feeling like that we have failed and we're no longer worthy. So that, I mean, if you want to drill down to the deepest level of spirituality, it is, it is self-worth. Mm-hmm. It is feeling like we, we matter, we have value. And as, and, you know, and it's really sad because, you know, I, I'm not going to say that I didn't struggle with that at some point in my own life, you know, coming from a Judeo-Christian background, I should have known better because the, the, the very beginning of, of the scriptures that I read says that the very image of God is, is imprinted on my soul, which means, you know, I have imminent value and worth, and that's not something I can earn nor can be taken away, mm. but we still yeah. grow up believing that we have to earn our place in this world to be worthy of love and respect. Mm. And I think that is most of our malfunction. Mm. Yeah, that's well said. And the, um, I mean, so what, what is, what is resilience? I mean, could you, could you, uh, you, you offered a great definition of spirituality. We draw meaning and truth for life. What, what would, how would you describe um, resilience? This is so. A, um, this is what's going to keep somebody latched on to, you know, grounded in reality. Right, and I, I want to introduce an, a word here that I, I like, and and it's, you know, it's um, beyond resiliency because resiliency is like what, right? The ability to bounce back. Right. And I heard it said this way really well. You know, fragility, which I think is what we're seeing a lot in our cultures. We have a mm, we, we're yeah. um, we have a fragile culture. Uh, fragile human beings and fragility would be a candle in the wind, right? Not much takes to extinguish it. Um, Resiliency would be like a torch in the wind. And that is under most circumstances, as long as there's fuel there, that that flame is going to rebound. It's going to come back, but uh, Mm. it's a concept. And and I, I, I like it. Mm. The word is anti-fragile. It's, there's actually, you know, a lot of, of people going in that direction now. And it is really what I like to think of more like resiliency, and that is the, it's the wildfire. Hmm. I mean, you think about what happens to a wildfire when the wind blows. It doesn't go out. It doesn't flicker. It actually grows. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to the fact that we can grow stronger through adversity. Absolutely. But if we don't no. have a foundation to stand on, if we think we're worthless in this world, we don't have a community of support uh, then we're we're pretty fragile. Yeah. We don't know how. We don't even know who we are. We don't know how to get a pulse on our spiritual or emotional well-being. We're 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 already at our breaking point. It doesn't take much to crush us. Right. If we but, if we have the 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 foundational values, if that's in place, if we have this, yes. if the, if that's there, then come what may, uh, that which doesn't kill me makes me stronger. That that's the idea. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. Well, and, and I, but see, totally. we're, we're all, we're all the same generation. And I, so I think when you use a word like fragility, well, that's negative connotations for me. I don't want to be fragile. I want to be resilient. But I'm wondering if today, if we've empowered fragile, if it's, if it's, that's where you get the attention if you're fragile. Uh, that's what makes you special. That's what that's what uh, that's what sets you apart is your fragility. 
I I completely agree. And and you know, there's we haven't found a healthy balance. Okay, when I was a kid and y'all were kids, you know, bullies was a huge thing, and you just you had to deal with them. And hopefully, you didn't get damaged too bad. Um, some of us are still dealing with that emotional trauma of of you know playground ethics, but um, but we went so far the other way that you're right. We've we've protected people. And I'm not saying, I think bullying's horrible. I think there's, there's a right way to strengthen people and bullying is the wrong way, but you, but you're right. We've, we've so sheltered, you know, our children. And I mean, my generation is just as much to blame. Not only did we, we use SpongeBob as, and forgive me, I don't hope I get sued now, but uh, <laughs> as the, um, as the babysitter, right. You know, and, right. uh, but we also, because of maybe our own wounds, we decided to overprotect them. And, you know, it, that, that is dangerous because we've now said, no, we're not going to make you face adversity. We're not going to let you face adversity. It's too much. And that's why we want everybody to have a trophy because we don't want to get disappointed. You know, we, we don't want anybody to know what it's like to feel the way we did. And unfortunately, you're right. We we are breeding breeding fragility. We're protecting it in in the name of thou shalt not you know bully. But what we've said is now you know you you're not you never have to face adversity. But it's not realistic because as you step out of the door and and mom and dad or grandpa and grandma whoever was taking care of you aunt uncle when they're gone and you have to face the fact that this world is not a shelter that it's more of a storm then you just don't know how to deal with it. And that's, I think, I hate the word coping because I coping means surviving, but sometimes that's all we can do. They don't have the skills. They don't have the abilities. Nobody's taught them. They've never faced it. You know, I used to, used to be into horticulture, you know, and I used to raise my garden in a greenhouse before I would take it out and plant it in the garden. And the worst thing you can do when you're raising plants that are gonna be set out in the garden is to put them inside and protect them from the, the cold and the wind and the sun and all that stuff. Because as soon as you put them outside, guess what happens? They, they wither and they die. Yep. If they might survive, but most of them wither and they die. So one of the tricks you have is you, you set up an oscillating fan in there to simulate the wind. Because if they don't face that adversity, they're not going to build up the strength to be able to withstand the wind when they're placed out in nature. And that's what we're doing. We're, we're basically, it'd be like taking your, your, uh, your dog that's, that's never had to go hunt for food or defend himself and tossing him out in the wild and going, wow, why didn't he survive? Yeah, and, and, uh, and, and, and this uh, implosion we're seeing is we're actually, and I just had this uh, aha moment, but it's probably everyone else has already got it. But uh, we're asking the youth today, to, to serve in a capacity and do the things that generations before have done well. But there is really no foundation, or at least for the majority of them. They don't have that foundation, and now we're asking them and expecting them to do the same thing, and we're looking at it going, they're falling short, and they go, what's your problem? Yeah, but we, they, but yeah, they're not the same guy coming through yeah, the we've, pipeline. We've, t we've, we've totally destroyed the environment. Yeah, and then we're know, like, and what's going on? And yeah. then we're like, dude, what, what's your problem? We mess with the factory and the the. Yeah, why, why aren't you a tough guy? I mean, yeah. you, you know, um, yeah, lordy. But but uh, I think to your point too is, 
you know, just for somebody that's listening to this, and 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 I and I hope you know uh, they would get some help. You know, maybe there's a guy, maybe that's you out there, and you're like, hey, you know what? I think I had enough. I mean, what what could the what could this man or woman do uh, right now, chaplain? Uh, what kind of resources? And, I, and of course, we would point to the Word of God to to uh, the community of faith. But what could else? What else could they go to right now if they're feeling that way? They're feeling isolated and they feel like they don't have, you know, a leg to stand on. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, if we're talking, you know, someone is is to the point of making that life or death decision. There, there's a, there's so many resources these days. People who are trained, who who you know, and that, I think that's the mis. I've been trained as a chaplain and I continue to train and continue to learn. But when somebody comes in my office or I walk out there in the field and talk to them, I'm not doing that because somebody's paying me to do it. I'm doing it because I want to, because I care. And there is lots of people in this world that care. If people just reach out, you know, the biggest, the biggest lie is nobody cares. Yeah. And the truth is that couldn't be further from the truth. There's tons of people in this world. I mean, there, there's online uh, resources. There are, you know, hotlines. There is, you know, walk in, walk into your local uh, church or synagogue, and and guarantee if you don't find somebody that cares there, well then walk down the street a little further because you know you just you pick the wrong building. But there, there's so many resources out there that people that want to help, and you know, and to me, when somebody walks in my office, that's one thing I want to make sure. Hey. Are you safe this weekend? Because I can help you to get through this. We can work. I can connect you with counseling resources. You know, we can, but my number one goal is let me keep you alive because I can't help you if you're dead. Okay. So let's, let's, let's get through the storm. You're not alone. There's tons of us out there that do this because we, we care because, you know, God gave me a heart for people and that's why I do this. You know, I, I had a guy tell me one time, chaps, you don't have all the answers. We just don't give up until we find something. Yeah. And and so I don't have all the answers, you know. And a lot of times the answers are in their stories. Yeah. But um, just so, know that you, you, there's a world full of people that care if you just give us a chance. Hey, and I have I, I think this is important to say this, too, because, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of us, we uh, we go, hey, I would never do that. You know, I would never get that into that place, that deep, dark hole uh, yeah. now. But. I've had friends. I know you've had friends, guys. You think that never in a million years would they do that, and and I felt like betrayed because the guy didn't call me, he didn't reach out to me, and and uh, you know the the guys that you think that the warriors, and there's like there's no way, but they they can they can get there. So I mean, my whole point is, you can get to that place. It can be very yeah. dark, and you need to reach out. I mean, be a man and reach out to your friend. I mean, it's okay to say, look, I I. Uh, I am in this really dark, deep, dark place, and and, yeah. and 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 so what we're what we're preaching here is to avoid that first off. But if you get to that place, you know, say something. The, we can yeah. fix that. The um, the only constant is change, and we're talking about resiliency. And I think you're absolutely right. I mean, resiliency. I think um, a a good definition is 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 the one that is. A sort of uh, like you said, I mean, is able to kind of bend with the wind. Uh, understands that that change is, is every day. Every day things are going to change. You're going to be hit with uh, um, you know new obstacles and and, and, and uh, curveballs and things that you just didn't didn't see coming. And you got you got you just got to roll with it. I, I think the the weak 
uh, individual is, is always the person that, that needs the temperature to stay at 72 degrees, uh, needs the sun to shine every day. Um, and it's just not going to happen. Uh, my question, and I, I'm really curious because I, I'm just, you're in the chaplain corps. I'm, I'm assuming um, it's relatively the same regardless of branch. I'm, I'm assuming the chaplain corps in the Army is very similar to the chaplain corps in the Navy. Um, what type of challenges are you seeing in the chaplain corps? What's the chaplain corps doing to try to um, adapt and address these these challenges today? Because uh, I think it's 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 got to be different being a chaplain today than it was twenty years ago. Um. Yeah, that's a tough question. You know, one of the things we do obviously uh, that I'm not as savvy as some of the younger chaplains is. Um, we, we try to meet people where they, I mean, I'm, I don't want to say I'm not good at meeting people where they are, but uh, the whole social networking thing and having, having, you know, pages where we're out there and, you know, that's, that's the new terrain now is you, you want to get to the guys. You're not going to go hang out at the NCO club and see most of them. You're going to, you're going to be hopping on, you know, social network platforms and, and try to connect that way. That's one of the ways, obviously, uh, you know, knowledge is um is important um and uh, one of my um i'll get it here in a second i i've got a little quote for you um but uh while i'm trying to find that um this we're just trying to spread the word that hey we need community um we teach our chaplains well we do a lot of internal training and you know, we go to our commands and we try to educate leadership. You know, we try to provide opportunities and programs. And um, so here's what I want to say. You know, knowledge is the beginning of awareness and awareness is the beginning of change. And I found that in my own journey as I would learn about things and it wouldn't necessarily change my bad habits. Um, but at least I was aware that I had them. And then I could start to try to, to make those changes. So the chaplain corps, you know, we we try to educate our chaplains. Um, we try to make sure we're always congruent with the mission because we're we're not here with our own mission. We're here to support the mission, right? To make sure that the um, Marines and sailors and Coast Guardsmen, airmen, soldiers, um, that they are equipped and ready to serve, and that means. You know, helping them when they fall down um, and helping to build them to be stronger, to have that strong ethical core that they make the right decisions so they don't end up with moral injury, that they have an awareness of what spirituality is at its core and ways to connect with it, um, ways to do um, spiritual and emotional and physical self-care, to take care of themselves, to be aware of how they feel and what's going on and to um, and find healthy ways to nurture those aspects of who they are so that they're, they're ready to fight. One more question. When I was in basic training, uh, every Sunday, you, you had a choice. You could be marched up to uh, attend service, or you had some horrible menial task waiting for you if you decided you didn't want to go go to go to church service okay or, or whatever um with 
with time, I see the value of that. Now, for a lot of us, I mean, it was just a good opportunity to sleep in the pews. I'll be, I'll be straight up honest with you. We were tired. Um, and, you know, who wanted to do KP? But yeah. later, I mean, I'm, I'm looking back and I'm thinking it was just genius to at least introduce the uh, young warriors to that whole spiritual aspect um, and to just have that time and to be around others in that type of environment. I'm hoping we're still doing that in basic training, and, and if we're not, we probably need to bring that back and maybe um, and, and maybe enhance it. So, yes, um, I don't know the specifics of it. I have not served at a, a recruit training command yet, but talking to other chaplains uh, and even some of the Marines and sailors that have been through, chapels are packed on Sunday. <laughs> and I think it's a lot of that, hey, uh, for one, it's a chance to get a break away from everything. Uh, for two, I think a lot of guys and gals, it's a um, it's a safe haven. It's a place that they can go and they can kind of, you know, let down their guard a little bit. Just like when they come in my office, you know, I'd say, hey, you know, you don't have to stand at attention. Call me, sir. Uh, you can call me chaps, you know, and I want another first name. So it's a safe haven. Um, and absolutely, you know, I'm trying not to be too, um, too biased here, but of course I believe in, in the tenets of my faith and to know that they teach, um, a great message that we are valuable, that we have meaning and that, that, that God has a purpose for everyone. And so there's so much that they can take away from that. And, and still, I hear this all the time from, um, chaplains who have been at uh, Marine Corps uh, recruiting uh, depots or at basic training at Great Lakes, they're like, yeah, the chapels are, are standing room only. And they had, they had services out, uh, out here on base at one of our, uh, our fobs on base during a, a, a recent training event, and it was standing room only. So at some level, even though it was a decline in, in attendance, and you don't see it so much in the day-to-day chapel services on base in those situations. And, and to digress a little bit, I mean, look at, look at what happened when our, when our country faced crisis back at 9-11. Record, record numbers of people were filling the pews. They were searching for hope. And that's the one thing that you can always find, you know, in the church is, is hope. Yeah. And, and as a chaplain, that is the one message, no matter their faith background, that I always try to convey to them, hope. At the, at the very bare minimum, the hope is that you don't have to go through this thing alone, that I am here with you to walk with you. I hope that answers your question. It yeah, does. That, that's awesome. And I think uh, that is, uh, uh, you know, the, the chaplain corps that I remember. Uh, my dad, I grew up as a chaplain's uh, son. And uh, went uh, uh, used to sneak out of the services when I was a little older, but uh, I do remember I was brought up the right way, and I remember that uh, hope and meaning and purpose are, are part of uh, the message of the cross and uh, yeah. the message of Christ crucified. So I uh, I know that you're a man that fears God and hates evil, and and you're out there serving, and I appreciate you for uh, coming on the podcast and. Uh, 
Uh, I just like want to offer you any parting shot. Um, thank you, uh, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. This is uh, an opportunity. I'm uh, I'm honored. Um, and uh, you know, I I would say to everyone listening, hey, um, get your get your heart squared away because it's always going to get in the way if it's not. And there's plenty of us. If you if you can't figure it out on your own, there's plenty of us out here that want to help if you give us a chance. Um, you get your heart right, and the head usually follows suit. That's right. That's right. And then if I could put you on the spot, Chaplain, if you could uh, close us out with a word of prayer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, for my contextual, are we talking public prayer or uh, – Divine service prayer. Divine service. <laughs> All yeah. right. Well, I'm, I'm going to invoke the name of my Lord. Then. Amen. All right. Let's go. All right. Let, let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, God, I just want to thank you to, for these two men, for the message that they're pushing out to the world, you know, uh, out of the love of their hearts for you and for mankind. God, I pray that this message does not fall on deaf ears, that those who are listening will be impacted and changed that they will find hope, they will find meaning and purpose to know that they are are loved and valued and to not to believe the lie that they are not. God, I thank you for this time. May you continue to bless us all, encourage us, give us wisdom, and help us to be faithful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Pinelander Podcast. If you enjoy our unique content, please consider supporting our sponsors. Soft News, providing special operations news from around the world. It's where Paul and I go to keep abreast of what's going on within the soft community. Check them out at soft.news. Blacksmith Publishing, been serving the warrior class since 2013. They have great titles written for warriors, by warriors, if you're looking for excellent reference material or just want to unwind with a great novel, be sure to check out the bookstore located at blacksmithpublishing.com. And if you're looking for some cool Pinelander apparel, head on over to the General Store located at pinelandergeneralstore.com. That's all one word, pinelandergeneralstore.com. Have a great selection of shirts, hats, jackets, sweaters, stickers, patches, artwork, and a whole lot more. Check out the store at pinelandergeneralstore.com. If you're interested in helping develop our country's next generation of warriors, uh, please consider donating to the American Agogi Project. The mission of the project is to foster an environment producing able-bodied citizen warrior men of fine character. And we'll be officially launching the project in 2023 in celebration of uh, Blacksmith Publishing's 10th anniversary. Until our next meeting, stay mentally and tactically smart, physically and spiritually strong, and socially astute. To each other, we pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. May God continue to bless Pineland.